My desire, and Austin just made it come true, was to retrace Arthur's last steps. We went to a Eagle Pub in the UK, which is where pilots went and American military people went, and we went looking for his name because they, it's a place where you put your name up on the wall in the ceiling. And we found his squadron number, 332nd, on the ceiling at that pub. We ended up putting his name on the wall. We asked the manager if we could do that, and they allowed us to put it on in memory you know, of Arthur on behalf of the Allen family. It was July 16, 1943. The 23-year-old Army Air Force pilot was flying a bombing raid over Bremen, Germany, when he was hit in the heart by a Nazi bullet that took his life. What do we know about this young man that was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice to defend the rights we share as free Americans? Well, that story is being told in a documentary being released here in Memphis tomorrow night, September 15th, at Malcolm's Cordova Cinema, it's called Ramblings of a Bomber Pilot, story of World War II hero, Arthur Allen Jr. And we have Arthur's nephew that's here with us today to tell the story with also the director of the film. Gentlemen, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint on the Bot Radio Network. First of all, we have Frank Allen. Also, we have documentary filmmaker here, Austin Ritz. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you yeah, for, thanks having for having us. us. I know, because I've been around filmmakers before, this is like when an expected mom is about to have their baby, this is like the big due date is happening. How do you feel? It's so exciting. Uh, you know, I'm just pinching myself, really, because I, I, I've been dreaming about this for the last 15 years and working on it for the last 20 months, and it's all coming to fruition. And it's just amazing and so exciting. I just can't wait uh, until tomorrow night. Well, Frank, you've got this war hero, Uncle Arthur, Back in World War II, as I mentioned, the story opening here. When did you first hear about his military exploits? Well, my dad did such a wonderful job of keeping records. And so my dad was the one that told me about Arthur and told all of us. I have four siblings. And he told all of us about Arthur. And he had Arthur's medals put up on the wall. Every time we walked into his house, we would see those medals. There were books that were written that included Arthur's missions. My dad would show us those books, and that would help us understand the mission and what he did. There's something about family storytelling that's really special when you think about it. Generations and passing down history of family. I had a great aunt that's now in heaven, and I remember as a child listening to her share stories about our family. And some was quite intriguing, some you don't probably want to talk about. I remember one that we were related distantly to John Tyler, the president. So there was a connection there. So I don't have much more details than that. But the treasure that you have here, was there letters too? There were letters. There was a piece called Ramblings of a Bomber Pilot that Arthur wrote while he was stationed over in the UK at Barry St. Edmunds. So that's how we got the title of the film, uh, Ramblings of a Bomber Pilot, because he wrote it. So the things that we'll be talking about in the film are actually from Arthur's heart and right. from his mouth. You know, the, the World War II veterans have been called the greatest generation. Many who served these various campaigns have returned, though, without telling their stories. It, it really affected them emotionally, many. I've, I've had many on this program to share their stories. So you seem like you had a lot of details about Uncle Arthur's life and story. We had a number of details. We are actually still getting details because with God's providence, we're, we've run into another family that represented the bombardier on Arthur's airplane, and they have letters 
from their grandfather about Arthur. They're bringing them down this weekend, and we're going to see those letters for the first time. So the details are significant. We had newspaper articles where he got his medals, and they were awarded to his dad posthumously. So there are lots of details. We had his report card in grade school. (laughs) We knew where he went to church. Uh, So we had a lot of details, which made it uh, easier to do the film. You know, Austin, as a young boy, it's always neat to hear stories about heroes, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I've always had a um, draw to World War II history. All four of my great-grandfathers served, and so I didn't know much about them, each one, but I've just always had a draw to history. So being able to learn more about this story has just been a dream come true. Was there one particular story, as your dad, when you were a child and your dad used to tell the Uncle Arthur stories, one story that stood out you like to hear repeated over and over again, Frank? Well, there was a story about one of his missions where he came back with 169 bullet holes in his airplane. It was a miracle that he was able to land. He kind of crash landed because the brakes were out, the hydraulics were out. So that was the story that I remember being told over and over again. I just marvel at it even today, how that was even done. So why decide to make a documentary? As we've mentioned, families do have these stories. Typically, they just keep them to themselves and share them throughout generations. Why tell Arthur's story? Well, there's several reasons for that. One, I wanted to honor his life and preserve his legacy for my own family. So even if no one else heard about it, that would have been a good goal achieved, just having it for my family. But beyond that, we wanted to encourage other veterans, as you were referencing earlier, to tell their story. Because a lot of veterans come home and they're so shell-shocked and they never talk about it. And so we even cover that in the movie. We interview a 101-year-old World War II bomber pilot, and he talks about his transition from not wanting to talk about it to now wanting to tell everybody about it. Tell the story. Have you ever created a movie before? Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> never it's even had an idea that you're going to Never been a, a dream uh, until, again, when my dad died back in 2006. I just felt like God was telling me, you need to carry the torch. You know, it's up to you now. And what I love about this story, Frank, is you yourself are retired. You've been in the financial world all your life and and helping people make the most of their money. So you, at retirement, taking on a project like this, did you even know where to start? What's the first thing you do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're exactly right, because for about, I guess it was about 15 years, I was dreaming about it without knowing how to accomplish it. I said, I want to honor Arthur's life, but I don't know how to do it. Now, five years ago, I wrote an article that appeared in the Commercial Appeal. It honored him and it came out on the actually the 75th anniversary to the day of his last mission. So that was one way to honor him. But then I just thought more and more about it. And I saw his medals every day when I came to work. They were up on my wall. And I said, no, I need to do more. How do I do that? So how did Austin Rich get into the picture here? Well, he got in the picture because his dad and I worked together at Shoemaker. And so I remember talking to him several times before, but then at his wedding, it was at the reception of his wedding. I said, Austin, we need to talk. He went, well, let me get married first. (laughs) I said, okay, but then let's talk. He had an experience too that changed his life and brought him more fully into the the filmmaking business. And we just formed a partnership there. and, And he said, yes, I can help you do that. Austin, you referred to your passion for World War II stories and the heroes of the war. This really has become a dream for you that you're able to see this. It's going to be in theater Friday. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, It's one thing that I don't think I'll ever forget. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity uh, from the Allen family. And as I've learned more about Arthur's story, 
the feeling of gratefulness, I guess, grows because of how just incredible his life story was. So, so what was it that was most compelling to you that really ignited the interest in those creative juices and say, yeah, I want to take on this project? Well, Frank handed me a, a letter from Arthur for, I don't know if it was for his family directly or just, just to have written down, but it was telling the stories and it was, it was the one titled Ramblings of a Bomber Pilot. He tells that story that Frank told about the 169 bullet holes and he goes on more detail, a few other missions as well. But in the middle of reading it, I can hear his voice. I can see everything that he's talking about happening in front of me and it clicked right then. And so uh, since reading that, I just kind of thought, man, Frank has been holding out on me on this story for a long time. And also, how has this not already been told? Isn't that a director's dream to have a story like that? Put in the own words of the <laughs> person going so. through that time. And a story that was how many years ago? We're 80 si- years. Yes, 80 years ago. Yeah. And, it's just been waiting, and sitting and waiting. It's, it's come alive, you know? It is definitely coming to life. So what type of film production experience have you had prior to starting this project? Yeah, so I've done some smaller documentary projects, all ranging in the just a couple minute long. Uh, but then... 2020, I actually did a documentary on my grandfather, told his story. Uh, He was a Vietnam veteran, and he also is a beekeeper. I told his life story in a film. It's actually what Frank saw that kind of sparked the conversation kind of originally. You know, that's interesting, too, Austin, your age, because a lot of people in the demographic age you are, they don't seem to have a love for our country. And the history doesn't seem—I'm not saying for all. Oh, no, yeah. It doesn't really seem to be that important. Why has it really sparked interest for you? Honestly, I've always loved history. Personally, I never thought I'd have a chance to contribute to it or even be a part of it in some way. But really, I feel like I've always been a little bit different than my demographic, yeah. <laughs> uh, necessarily. Um, in a good way. Yeah, maybe, yeah, I guess a more traditional good way. Uh, I've, I've got um, a daughter already, and I'm, I'm married, and I don't know, most people... Have, at my age, aren't doing that, and I understand. Like I, you know, everybody has their reasons, but um, I'm excited about life, and I just want to um, continue to care about the things that are important to me, and that's God and my family and my country. I love it. I love it, Austin. So let's dig in a little more about Arthur's life. Where did he grow up? When did he first go into the military? Where did he go to basic training? And what was his family life like growing up? Yes, he lived on Carnes. He was born in Talladega, Alabama, but uh, as a youngster, he moved to Memphis, and he and my dad both lived in a house on Carnes. He went to Messick High School, graduated from Messick in 37. He went to the University of Memphis after that. But Arthur was multi-talented. He was a very versatile person and fella. He was very likable. He was the editor of the yearbook. He played on the football team. He was in the drama club. He was on an ROTC. He, he was captain of the tennis club. There wasn't anything really that he couldn't do. And so we found that in going through all the papers. Like, there are like 20 places he's recognized in the annual. You know, I, I only have one page for me. <laughs> I don't even have any page. I don't even a quarter page for me. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> so he's just been a myth and kind of a legend. Uh, he was a sports guy. I, I just wonder what my life would have been like and how it would have been different had Arthur been alive and poured into me because he was a sports person. He was a prankster. Anybody who knew him, they knew him personally. They didn't just know him casually. Yeah. They knew him very well. Oh, I love that. Okay, Austin, in order to tell this story, what was behind your thinking, the creative thought process that you had? What was it that you want viewers of the film 
to walk away with after they watch it. Yeah. So uh, as far as coming up with the ideas creatively, um, I knew we had uh, some really great writings and I wanted to be able to find a way to incorporate those and also a way to allow the family to experience Arthur's story. So I basically did some research and found, you know, the base that he was located and the missions that he went on and where to and even found a B-17 that Frank could fly on. And so we we kind of looked into all that. How could we make it possible? And one, what would be an interesting way to tell the story? And two, how can we make an experience so that the audience could follow along as Frank really discovers Arthur's story more and more. Yes. So um, we just kind of took those steps one by one, and and it's kind of laid out in the film. So as Frank learns more, the audience learns more. It's really, so really it's neat. So it's basically like a timeline. You're walking down together with the audience. Is that right, Frank? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, so and, and we didn't know what we were going to find in a lot of cases. When we met with, in UK with a World War II historian, I learned a lot about Arthur that I never imagined that I would learn. And one of the things I learned was he led the whole 94th bomb group. His ship led the whole 94th bomb group on a mission, like right before his last mission. Wow. And it was a very successful mission. So there were all kind of things that I learned about Arthur from people who had been there or, or who had talked to his crew. So your homework wasn't just sitting here in Memphis. I mean, you actually traveled to the UK. Oh, yes. We went to the UK. We wanted to, my, my desire, and, and Austin just made it come true, was to, to retrace Arthur's last steps and just do, we went to a Eagle Pub in the, in the UK, which is where pilots went and American military people went. And we went looking for his name because they, it's a place where you put your name up on the wall in the ceiling. And we found his squadron number, 332nd, on the, on the ceiling at that pub. We ended up putting his name on the wall. We asked the manager if we could do that, and they allowed us to put it on in memory you know, of Arthur you know, on behalf of the Allen family. What a special moment. It was incredible. What, what was it like for you to write that? Well, it just gives me chill bumps even talking about it now. To me, it put Arthur at a place where it documented that he was there. Yes. And so I felt his presence there, and not only there, but at Ruffham Airfield where we went and did the interview with Cliff, Cliff Hall, and I just felt Arthur's presence there, and it, it was just incredible. So this historian that you met with, how did you discover him and set up that meeting? Was that something you did also? Yeah. I, uh, so I was reading in a book called Lingering Contrails, and it's, uh, it's about the 94th bomb group that Arthur was a part of, and uh, it's just different stories, and I read one, and it was a quote from this guy, and it said he was 12 years old whenever the boys were stationed there and um, basically said something about him being a historian. I was like, man, it'd be great if we could find this guy. And I started looking, couldn't find anything. It was kind of a bummer. But the next day, I was uh, in this Facebook group of the 94th Bomb Group, and somebody shared something about him. And I instantly was like, this is Great, because it's like, <laughs> if I wouldn't have known the name the day before, it wouldn't have mattered much yeah, to me. Yeah. But I knew that he was there, yeah. you know, right beside, he grew up right beside the base, and wow. um, he's the historian of that uh, base now. And so it was just perfect timing, I guess. It was God's <laughs> timing, if you will. God's timing. So there are certain scenarios. I, I've seen the trailer, okay? You recreate certain scenarios to help tell the story. There's places where you feel like you're in Uncle Arthur's plane. How did you do that? It's just, or is that a secret? You can't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I just thought, you know, if we if we can make it feel as realistic with, it, with, you know, Frank experiencing the different things, 
it would be just the most entertaining and also you would be able to tell the effect that it has on on Frank and you'd be able to tell the impact of of more of so of what Arthur did. So you'd have more understanding and more context, I yes. guess. I like what you said there too about entertaining because folks like to go to the movie to be entertained. So there's a value there, but balance with the historical information, Frank, is what seems to really make this film. Absolutely. In fact, I had a 99-year-old veteran who came to see the movie. And after the movie, we went over to his house because he invited us. And he said, I want you to see all the stuff I've got. And so we went and talked to him. And, and I said, well, what did you, you know, Dick, what did you think about the movie, about the film? He said, it was better than Hollywood because it was real. It was real. The thing that got me was he said, it all really happened. And he said, it's the real deal. And so I was like, that's a win right there. And that's got to be the best compliment, right? It is. Because he was he was there. He was actually a part of the 94th Bomb Group as well. So, I mean, it he was, was stationed at the same place. Same he didn't place. know Arthur. Yes. But he was stationed at the same place and went on some of the same raids, just in a different airplane. Now, location shooting. Was there one place you did more shooting or location work? Yeah. The main was... At the Ruffham Air Base probably would be the, the the main one. Either that or maybe for the time of the film, uh, it'd be close between that and uh, the airplane itself uh, that we're, we're flying in. Both of those kind of uh, maybe have the most percentage-wise, I guess, if you would, of the film. So you found an actual plane dated from that period that is still flyable. At the time, yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah so um, it was. we flew with B-17 Texas Raiders. And um, uh, it actually, a couple months later, was in the news. Unfortunately, there was a in-air collision at a um, air show in Dallas. Sadly, you know, uh, the crew was lost, and we're very saddened by that. But it was just one of those things that, um, you know, we got in at the last minute, actually. We were only a couple months before, before that accident. Back in the mid-1990s, our family were missionaries on the island of Guam, serving with Transworld Radio Ministries. One of the things that happened each Christmas was a project called Operation Christmas Drop. It started back after the war when pilots were flying back from the Pacific. They looked down on the islands and see little children, and they would take candy and put it in their handkerchiefs and throw it out, parachute it down to them, little handmade parachutes they made. And so this became an annual project, and so they would invite media to fly with them. And I got to fly on a C-130 to go to the Yap or Chuuk State Islands, just being in that plane, just thinking about the service that both men and women have done for our country, risking their lives, putting it out there for other people, putting it out there for us, Frank. That's so powerful. It is. Well, another thing that, that we haven't talked about yet, where we spent a good deal of, uh, of time filming, Arthur, uh, I mean, Austin found a 101-year-old World War II bomber pilot. He was the oldest living World War II bomber pilot in the 100th Bomb Group, and he lived in Dallas. So we went to Dallas, and we spent the whole day interviewing him. And there's a nice chunk of film about him, and he and Cliff both brought so much credibility to the film because they had both been there and done that in many ways. And so he didn't know Arthur either, but he had a story, and they had a book written on him, a fellow named John Luckadoo. You may know of him, but he was an incredible interview and very articulate, and you couldn't tell he was 101 years old. He knew all the details extremely well. Frank, now the big question is, did you totally finance this project yourself? Well, I wouldn't say totally, but primarily. 
you know, I didn't want to put any burden on anybody who, who either didn't have it or wasn't sold on it as, as I was, but I was sold and, and I was, I welcomed any help I could get, but if I didn't get any help, I was ready to, to fund the whole thing. So anyway, my family chipped in and it's a family project, but being retired and I had more time to give. So I was happy to, to chip in and help any way that I could. Well, as you mentioned, Dick Eastman's comments after seeing the film, several have given you very positive feedback. As he mentioned, Dick said, I love that it's not Hollywood. This isn't made up. It's the real deal. It all really happened. And then Brenda said the documentary should be shown throughout the United States. There are no words to express my heartfelt emotions afterwards. And then Linda says, I saw real patriotism for the first time in several years. I left with refreshed hope. That one right there gets me. <laughs> it, it's just, I left with refreshed hope. And, you know, I, I sometimes, we kind of alluded to this earlier, I sometimes feel the same way. It's just, when was the last time we felt real patriotism? It just sticks with you. You know, in light of the aftermath of the World Trade Towers that collapsed, that we just recently remembered those lives lost and the families impacted. There was a sense of patriotism that kind of rang across America, you know? People were flying flags and churches were being filled. We're not seeing that like that today, Frank. No, I don't exactly understand why, but I have had several people tell me, you need to take this film to the schools. I want the younger generation to see it and to understand it and to make World War II personal for them. Yes. Because a lot of times you can distance yourself from some atrocities if there's not a personal connection. Well, this was a personal connection. And so if you show this to schools, and I don't know at what level, and I don't know who to talk to to make that happen, but I'm happy to speak with any history teacher, to show the film to any child or any, any high school or any college student, because we want that generation to know that freedom is not free, that yes. there is a cost to it. And we want them to understand it and appreciate it and be able to engage in that and lean into it. And it so parallels with the freedom that we have in Christ. He paid the price for us That's that right. we could never pay for ourselves so that our sin penalty could be paid for. And knowing that there were men and women that did lay their lives down for the freedom that we share as American and, and able to drive in our cars and go where we want to go and do what we want to do. At least we forget. We need to remember. And I think this is a great way. Well, I, I, I want to ask you, you guys have been working on this project now for 20, 21 months and ready to watch the, the debut of the release here at the Malco Cordova Cinema tomorrow night. Talk about your relationship together. How much do you appreciate each other? What, what have you learned about each other and working with each other? <laughs> I can start with a quick story. Uh, my first memory of Frank is, I, I think this event that Shoemaker Financial had that I was at back in 2008, not a big deal. They, they did it every two years. And uh, several years later, I don't know if it was 2016 or something around then, uh, we went to Tucson, Arizona. We went to Tombstone. And yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, so Tombstone, the film was based on the story in the city and the town there. And man, you just thought Frank was on top of the world. He was loving it. <laughs> the event they had that night, he dressed up as Wyatt Earp. And, I did. Uh, <laughs> I did. Had my mustache on. Yes, first too. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I actually had just watched the film for the first time like a couple months before that. So I had this fresh appreciation for the movie. We were just loving it everywhere we were going, but we've had some familiarity and we've joked with each other in the past, but now I would say that we're very, very close and there are not many days that we go without talking to each other. So, uh, and it's always good. Frank, another son here? 
You know, <laughs> absolutely. I would take him anytime. It's just been a great relationship because I think we respect, each of us respect what the other brings to the table. I don't think either one of us could have done this on our own. Yeah. I know I couldn't have. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I couldn't have either. <laughs> uh, so I, I think what we each provided was respected by the other and valued so much by the other and trusted. So I trusted him even though I was like, wait a minute. You didn't give me any questions to ask. And Well, just interview him. Just go interview him. You know, read his book first and go interview him. I went, Okay. All right. I'll do that. So I just had to trust him because I think one of his main things is, well, you don't want our script. There's not a script to any of what we did other than what Arthur wrote. So I had nephews and nieces. They got involved in reading letters and reading Arthur and reading Arthur's dad and reading Arthur's girlfriend, what Arthur's girlfriend wrote. So I just trust him. And we developed trust for each other as we were going through the process and much more so than we ever had the opportunity to before because we didn't depend upon one another. Yes. But during this last 20 months, we've depended upon each other and really trusted each other and supported each other and encouraged each other in ways that never would have been possible without the film. Plus, you know, it gives you a respect for each other's generation, too. I think that's a, a fair point. Yes, I do. I love that. Yeah. Ramblings of a Bomber Pilot, Story of World War II Hero, author Alan Jr., is set to premiere at Malco's Cordova Cinema starting Friday, tomorrow night, September 15th. And and the thing here, gentlemen, is the more attendance that this movie gets, maybe expand theaters in the city and maybe even let it run longer. Is that right? That's what we understand. And I even ask, hey, is this a possibility? Is this a fair assumption? And the answer was, yeah, that's a fair assumption. You do well, and we're likely to push it out to our theaters. And I'm just excited. You know, whether it does or not, it doesn't tell me whether it's a success or not. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we're good if it doesn't do that. But I think the more theaters it goes to and the more people that see it, again, we're telling Arthur's story over and over again to more and more people. Yes. And that that was the goal. And we really desire that. And hopefully it will affect other families and they will stand up and they will maybe even want to do the same thing. Yes. Also, I believe there's a website that our friends can go to. Ramblingsfilm.com. It has some information. You can sign up actually for a newsletter to find out, you know, maybe you're not able to make the showing. You'd be able to connect with us and be able to find out future ways that you'll be able to watch the film. So uh, that would be the best place. There's a trailer on there. It's great. So, um, yeah. Thank you. Check it out. Gentlemen, Frank, Austin, God bless you, my brothers. Thank you so much for telling Uncle Arthur's story. We just want to dedicate this program to him and his memory and other men and women, too, who have made this ultimate sacrifice. Thank you guys for sharing the story. And friends, listen, you've got to go see the film starting tomorrow night at Malco's Cordova Cinema opening night. Like I said, the more you get your friends to know about it and go, it can be a great way to just keep this movie going and and, and just just preserve our history as Americans. I appreciate you guys so much. It's been exciting to be here. Thanks for having us and and helping us spread the word. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 